This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Did you see the fight in the Bears-Saints game? Hilarious. The funniest fight I've ever seen. Why would you do that? I don't understand what happened there. And then, like, it's like a punch. No, wait, talk again. I'm talking again. I what I couldn't believe was he just like the, when the first punch like does nothing that he goes for and the he second like, punch. Well, and he like backs off real fast after the first punch. Like I appreciate like, that like the Saints players did the thing that you're supposed to do to actively not like get that called on you. He literally got hit and just stood there and was like, what do you like, want? This is a fucking helmet designed to prevent concussions. You're not the fucking Hulk, dude. Yeah. Especially punching like this. like. And he, like, pulled his mouth guard out. Is that what that was? And then, like, was like, yeah. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> Congratulations on getting cut, Denzel Mims. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that punch would have hurt without a helmet on. <laughs> like I'm watching it over and over yeah. again right now. I, I, I don't think that punch would hurt. It's the worst punch I've ever seen. Welcome in, everybody, to Fan of Fan Detroit. I am your host, Andrew Norris. This is the ASM. Now, the thing about ASMR is you have to start with like a sound effect. You have to start with like a. But do we? Yeah, there you go. You gotta bring it in with a like a like a slide whistle. <laughs> Welcome in everybody to Fan to Fan Detroit. I'm your host Andrew Norris. This is Double P, producer Parker. We are here after, for me at least, what was just a miserable weekend of sports, uh, as seems to be the case every fall and early winter with when football is going on for me. Uh, but first, Parker, what's up, man? How was your weekend? How was your Halloween? My Halloween was super, super, super boring. I had, like, candy out. I was ready for, like, some kids to come through my neighborhood. And, like, I had, like, my mask ready to go. And I had a whole set. I had a whole thing planned out. And I ended up only using it twice. So if any of you kids out there need candy, come on by my house. Well, let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about let's talk about our favorite team, the Detroit Lions, the Leos. Um it had been a few weeks since they made me miserable. <laughs> and uh, it took all of, I don't know, 35 minutes today before I realized, oh, I was going to be miserable all Sunday. They were going to force me to take a nap at some point today uh, to try to get the stink off. Just forget about it. Um, and they just got crushed by the Colts. It, it was a 41-21 game. Uh, there was like three different points in this game where the Lions did what the Lions do, which is they make you sit there and you go, okay, but if this, 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 and this happened, we'd be right back in the game. Just these four things, just two turnovers, two touchdowns. That's all we need. And of course, this defense, I don't know when the last time they forced a turnover was. I feel like it's been since week two or three, but I haven't looked it up. Um, and they just got murdered in the trenches it was it was what we saw to start the season with this lions team it was the exact same team and we're all dumbasses because we watched them beat two teams with a combined what two and ten record and we were like i don't know i don't know i don't want to get hope but you want to know what i don't want hope means i have hope and i don't want to admit it uh what did you what was what stood out to you 
the most today. To me, this is the first time that I've watched the Lions play this year and felt like the offensive line was getting just beaten. I just felt like the Colts' defense was really, 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 really good. That was my biggest takeaway. I actually, except for like maybe five minutes in the third quarter, six minutes in the third quarter, I thought that the Lions were pretty evenly contested with the Colts throughout the game as a whole, except for six minutes where there were like four plays. There was like a little like thing where it was like uh, interception for a touchdown followed by another interception followed by like a punt followed by a black punt or whatever. Uh, like just four or five offensive plays in a row where we like got 14 points scored on us. And that was it. Uh, they scored 15 points and I think it was nine seconds. Yeah, seconds. that's a problem. That's not, that's not going to win football games, Andrew. Uh, but outside of that, I genuinely thought that they were at least like playing even with this Colts team. And that defense is just really, really good. And I hate Phillip Rivers. Watching Phillip Rivers throw a ball is like watching a toddler learn how to throw a ball. And it doesn't make sense that his, you can't stop that guy. like here. He has to use. He's so old. He has to use his entire body to throw the ball. It's in the air for seven seconds, and somehow, when the Colts receivers catch it, there's six yards of space in between them and our defensive players. Yeah. It just. I don't. I. I know the Colts' offensive line is good. I know they have Quentin Nelson, who might be might be the best offensive lineman in football. Um, but it, your secondary has to do something. You had Coleman back. Okuda had a good game today, um, but just I, so I don't know if I don't know if it's scheme, I don't know if it's personnel, I don't know if it's both. But I, I'm so sick of seeing week in and week out that every time a guy catches the ball, there's seven yards. But even then, I don't think that's the biggest problem with what we saw today. As you mentioned, we got absolutely destroyed in the trenches, both offensively and defensively, just destroyed. Our two leading rushers today, number two on the list, Matthew Stafford, one carry for Ooh. 10 yards. Number one on the list, Jamal Agnew, one carry for 11 yards. Our leading rusher had 11 yards, swift negative yardage. And it Adrian was a corner. Peterson, useless. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Peterson, useless. Uh, on Johnson did what he could today. It was, it was good to see him at least getting some snaps. Um, but they still, they still aren't backing down from Adrian Peterson's lead back, no matter how counterproductive it has been for this team, and especially against a D-line like this. You have to get creative. You can't run the ball up the middle on first down every time like they did the entire first half. You just can't do it. Not against a defensive front four like this Colts team has. And they did come out in the second half and do that significantly less. Uh, now, towards the end, of course, it was mostly out of necessity, but they came out in the third quarter, and for the first half of it, they were really playing well. Once again, we see a drive. The first drive in the third quarter on offense is, like, really good. looks really great. Can't stop them. You never know where the ball is going to go. And, but then after that, it just seemed like it just seemed like everything stopped. I don't know. Stafford, that Stafford pick six, I, I, just don't think he's, I just don't think he knew that guy was there. I think he must have been – behind a couple of linemen and yeah. there's no way he makes that bad of a read there's no way yeah something happened on that play with matt stafford uh i didn't think that matt stafford was great i think he didn't really get the chance to be great uh i think that the offensive line as a whole has been very good but did not look good today 
Uh, I agree. Just felt like the pocket was collapsing the whole game. Uh, Matt Stafford on the run a lot. Kenny Galladay going down in the what was at the end of the second. Was that when he like tweaked his head? Yeah, he did? yeah. I mean, going into halftime, nobody knew he was hurt, and then it comes out of halftime, and he's out for the rest of the game. So it was it was a little strange. That sucks, but. And it's tough. Like I, I don't think that I actually don't think that losing Kenny Galladay is like the biggest hit to the offense because Marvin Jones is good and Marvin Hall does Marvin Hall things and always makes He's himself wild. useful. <laughs> He's a lot of fun. The everybody should always be looking in the third quarter, about halfway through, for the Marvin Hall play, which is where for some reason Marvin Hall catches a forty-yard ball downfield. And he needs more snaps. He needs to be on the field more. When when we're healthy, he sees the field three times a game, and he'll end up with three catches for sixty yards. Yeah. They put him in the game today, and he was targeted like four or five times. He had three catches for over a hundred yards, including a seventy-five-yard bomb from Stafford. Sweet throw. Um. Uh, now, I, the problem I'm having is I have no idea where this team should go. So here's what I think was going to happen if they won the game today. If they won the game today, I think they were going to trade for Stephon Gilmore. So I kind of look at it as lucky because if we would have traded for Stephon Gilmore and still sucked, we would have gave up a lot of draft capital to be able to get that guy. Um, what makes you think that we are, that, that was going to happen? I just think that's where the team was at. When they get Everson Griffin, I think they're looking to make a push. But I think they looked at it and said, okay, we can't mortgage the future unless we know we're good. And I think if you win four out of five, including against a four and two team, then you know you're good. Um, there's no report or anything to back that up. It's just a gut feeling that I have. Um, so now I think you kind of get lucky from there because you're not a good football team. Uh, you can't compete with good football teams. Uh, that you don't have to give up that draft capital to be disappointed at the end of the year when you lose your head coach and GM who made the trade. Um, but I don't know where to go now. I have at the beginning of the year it was easy, right? They looked bad enough where it was just like clean house, start over, trade everybody, whatever. Uh, obviously, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. I think we all have to hope that this is going to be their last year. You never know with the Fords, but I think we all have to hope that. Um, but when it comes to Stafford or Marvin Jones or even Trey Flowers, that's where it gets a little bit more tricky. Do you want to completely restart? Because with this offense, you don't have to completely restart. I would probably like a new offensive coordinator next year, which you'll get if Patricia's gone. Um, but that also means another system for Stafford, and he's on number five, and that's just tough, and you know, at a certain point, I think you just got to move on. Um, but really, the focus is going to be in rebuilding the defense with whoever comes in because this defense is so scheme specific. Uh, so, where where do you think the next step is? Obviously, we got to get through the season. We're going to go six and ten, seven and nine, because that's the Lions. They're not going to be bad enough to get a top five pick, but they're not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Is the next step just clean house completely? Or is the next step just new head coach, new GM, tweak here, tweak there, see what you got next year? So I, I think in general off this week's game, I want to pump the brakes just a touch. I don't want the car to go flying off the cliff right now. And I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. 
I think that there is talent on defense. I think that you played a game against a really good team and you were competitive for 50 minutes. And in the NFL, that doesn't matter. But it's closer than they've been against good teams. I agree with you that the defense is scheme dependent, but I think that there's a lot of high-end talent there. Or at least some. I think that the secondary, if healthy, is really solid. Uh, I think that like Trey Flowers is super good and is, I think, played well. Uh, I think Danny Shelton has played really well, and I think Deshaun Hand has had moments where he's played well. So I think that there's some stuff there. I, I think that you got to hit on a top 10 defender in the draft. I think that for sure, but that's that's not that's not really like particularly deep deep cut. I agree with you. I, I don't really know what the problem is. I, I, I don't. I don't know it. if I think the secondary is any good, even when healthy. Coleman hasn't I mean, been good since week eight, uh, week seven of last year. Coleman has been garbage since then, and you have a lot of money invested in yeah. that guy. Trufant can't stay on the field. Although Kuda is showing improvement, it's going to be at least the rest of the season before he's anywhere near where he needs to be. Uh, Deron Harmon's been good, but he hasn't been what he was on the Patriots. Tracy Walker has not been good. Your linebackers stink outside of Jamie. Your Collins. linebackers stink. That's a problem. It is that is. I think if we are to diagnose one position as the problem position, it's the linebacking group outside of Jamie Collins. Uh, there's nobody else. Nobody else is like. It just seems like nobody else is even athletic enough to play in the NFL on that side of the ball. Every time Jelani Tavai is on the field, something bad happens. Yeah. Every single time, which you know saddens me deep to my core because I yes. love Jelani Tavai, but. He's useless, and we've seen a Jared Davis this year when he's on the field that is been good in pass coverage and good rushing the quarterback. I think it might be time to try to give him a chance over the the guy who moves about as quickly as a, my grandfather did uh, out on the field. He just can't move side to side. He can't do it. Tavai can't do it, and he doesn't get to the quarterback, and he's not good in pass coverage. So what's the point? Is yeah, it just like Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia going, hey, look at us. We made a good pick. We're going to prove it. Uh, I just I, – I don't know. I don't know enough about – I don't know enough about how the linebackers are supposed to be operating in this game. Uh, the linebackers are, are, are bad. I think that the corners, if healthy, would be decent. Uh, I think – that the D-line needs work, but has actually been better than I thought it would be. I mean, they got, like, a little bit of pressure today, and they do that rushing three or four, which I feel like is kind of by itself impressive, but it just – something's in the water. So let me ask you this. Does bringing in Todd Bowles fix the defense as your head coach? Do not. do If, if this team fires Matt Patricia and brings in a fucking defensive head coach, I swear to God I will be a Cleveland Browns fan. I can't jump to, like, the Seahawks because I feel like that's cheating, but I will jump to the Cleveland Browns. I swear well, to God. you They're not going to get not, the enemy. Why not? Because he's going to have a better offer. From who? <sighs> this is how you sell it every time in sports where you're a the shit Falcons? team. It's not a better offer. Every time you're a shit team, this is how you sell it. Hey, do you want to be the guy that breaks the curse? Because we think you're sure. the guy that breaks the curse. And you get him. I'm not saying he's a lock, but it doesn't. The Bears. I would rather hire me than another defensive guy. So the you Bears want an offensive guy. Yes, it has to be. The modern NFL is offense. You want to know what saying is not true anymore? 
defense wins championships. Defense wins you two out of ten championships, and it's because you have an all-decade defense. You want to know what wins championships now? Patrick Mahomes. That wins you a championship. <laughs> Probably Lamar Jackson at some point. Yeah, if the dude can – although today was rough. We'll talk about that a little at bit later. At some he was, point, yes, we'll talk about that he was, later. He was out. not great today. Um, but you got to have a guy that can out-scheme the opponent on offense where you're not run-run pass, where your tight end isn't running the same three routes every time. Luckily, we have a good tight end who can get open. But he can't be running the same three routes every single time where your receivers can can – create some separation. By the way, we have guys who can create separation, but our offensive system just isn't allowing them to do it. They can get open. They can make a catch, but there's always a guy right on them, unlike when you see the Lions where there's room to run everywhere. I just – I'm defensive guys, I will pass. One, because the roster is not good enough, so you're going to be waiting three years for that guy to get the defense he wants. And two, because the NFL doesn't dictate for that anymore. And you never have any idea if a defensive coach is good until he's coaching. Eric Bieniemy, you know that guy is good at creating an offense. You don't know how good of a head coach he is, but that's just how it's going to be. But at creating an offense and an offensive system that works around the players he has, I know he has the best quarterback in the world, but he doesn't have the best receiver core in the world. His running backs are good now, but it's, you know he doesn't have a top five, top ten running back. It's a guy who can create a system, create a scheme week by week that's going to work against the team he's facing. So, do you? What if you got? If you're getting it, if, let me let me run a few names by you for head coaches. I've kind of been sitting on this for a while. I knew at some point we are going to do the who should replace Matt Patricia, and, and I think that now we're kind of finally there where we maybe should be taking a look around and deciding if what's out there is better. Uh, Robert Sala. If Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, nope. comes in, that doesn't move the needle for you? Nope. I mean, I get not wanting to take a defensive guy. I understand where you're coming from. The NFL is offense. But we've seen, like, like Mike Vrabel is technically a defensive coach. But, like, I think that he's mm -hmm. done a good job putting an offense together. Uh, and I think that Robert Sala would be one of those guys. All gas, no brakes, as he likes to say. So it's a defense with like pro bowl level talent at eight positions. Yeah, that front the front yeah, the front's pretty gnarly. Uh I'm reading I'm reading from a Google Doc. Uh Greg Roman, offensive coordinator from the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. More than Sala. Okay. Uh I I would be interested to see his track record pre Lamar Jackson cuz I don't know it off the top of my head, but yes. What is a, our special teams coach? If he was going to be a, a coordinator, what position would he, would he be? An offensive or defensive coordinator? I would assume offensive, uh, but I'm not 100% sure, honestly, about Braden Combs. Fuck it. Hire Braden Combs, dude. I, I'm, like, kind of convinced that Braden Combs should, like, be moved up somehow. Because He's Sean the special McVay. teams is clicking right now. Yeah, the only well, side of the ball that we're good on. Until today, until I said today that that is the best special teams unit in football, they were pretty much flawless, and then they had their worst, like, two-quarter stretch of the season. And it was still good. They, like, got a block, they had a block punt in that game. Yeah. They, they were still tagging guys for 18-yard line on kickoffs. You have the best punter in the NFL right now. You have been locked down on punt coverage. Jamal Agnew hasn't been a star, but he's been good returning. Uh, you got to see Marvin Hall looked like he was going to get to get a return today. And I, I actually think that's a route they should go. Have him and Agnew back there and just 
see which one can make something happen because there's a return touchdown coming if you put Marvin Hall back there. So the number one thing that we feel is that the linebackers need to be better and do I, I feel like we can't find a second thing to put a finger at and go, this is why we're not good right now. You, I mean, I, I know that there was a little bit of pressure today, but you have to get, you have to hurry and rush and sack the quarterback and hit the quarterback. And I get that they got in his face a little bit, but it, it's not even close to enough. I mean, it's Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers isn't bothered by a guy getting in his face for a second. Yeah, Philip Rivers got... loves it when guys get close to him and don't hit him. Yeah, speaking of that, the absolutely garbage unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that was called early in this game, which kind of flipped the game on its head a yeah. little bit. Uh, because they would have been done with that drive. They would have had to punt it away, and instead they got a touchdown and take the lead. The fact that NFL quarterbacks can punch a guy in the throat or, like, do this to his throat, whatever the hell he did, and then the, the dude looks at him and is like, what the fuck is your problem? And, the, and you get flagged? They tried to blame it on Danny Shelton pushing him down after the play because they didn't know what the fuck they were throwing the flag for. Because yeah, the flag they... came out 15 seconds after the flag. And then Phillip Rivers gets to keep talking after the flag is out, walk to the sideline because he's convinced that flag is on him. He walks straight over the sideline, drives over. And it's still it's still a penalty on the Lions. That, that was until they started lionsing all over the place that was the most infuriating part of the day it just angered the hell out of me i'm just, like the quarterback preferential treatment that by the way matthew stafford does not and has never gotten well he got that call last week against he, the falcons yeah he's gotten a call but consistent preferential treatment uh has not existed for him it just oh man that 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 was a really bad – that's, like, up there with me with them going back to review that Kenny Galladay catch after they spiked the football last week. And even, like, going back even further, that's Trey Flowers getting two hands-to-the-face hands penalties face. against the Packers last year. It's, I, I, if there's ten calls that are, like, obviously wrong calls, I would say eight or seven or eight of them go against the Lions. And I don't – that's another thing that I – it just – that doesn't happen to – the Buccaneers, the Patriots, the 49ers, the Seahawks. That doesn't happen to those teams. It doesn't happen to the Bears, dude. Like, yeah. um, you know, I I know the real reason why the Lions lost today. Do you care to Do you care to know? Why? Yes, I do care to know. Because if they won, they would have only been a game out in the NFC North. Mm. And yeah. that's too scary. They're too scared of that. That's much too scary for this team. Wild Carter bust, baby. It's the rest just... of the schedule is still so cake, man. I think that you shouldn't like give up the ghost on going nine and seven, eight and eight, and slide into that last playoff spot. I really, I really think that it's Maybe gonna take, but it's gonna take more than that, which is crazy because there's years where that without the extra wild card, you can get in at you can get in at eight and eight, and right now the last wild card team in the NFC is five and three. Um, so and you're two it? games back. It's the Rams. You're two games back. Yeah. Uh, Chicago officially slid out of that last spot. So you'd have to leapfrog the Rams, Chicago, and San Francisco. It just Well, maybe now is the time to go across the NFL. Did you see the Bears today? Because Mitch Trubisky almost came back into the game, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the Well, regardless of who is playing quarterback there, and I actually didn't think Foles was that bad. He, like, almost Not 75% completion. Yeah. 
but the Bears are finally being exposed as just this bad team. Although they yeah. competed, they took the Saints to OT, um, but they're not a play. They're not a real playoff team. They're a pretender. They're not a contender. And if the Bears are a pretender, we're definitely pretenders at best. At best. Yeah, but we could be pretenders with a good quarterback, which is better than regular pretenders. That's a good point. That's a solid point. Um, it was almost – they almost tied. I mean, that OT went, what, all the way down to like a minute and a yeah, half left? Yeah, pretty close. I was watching it pretty closely. I have Alvin Kamara. Uh, so – the Lions are going to go 8-8, eight and, eight and the and Patricia should be fired, but we don't know if, if he will be. That's where we're at. I have a crazy idea. So crazy that it just might work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me a percent chance that you think Drew Brees retires after this year. 40. He retires. You throw the John Gruden contract at Sean Payton. 10 years, $100 million. Here you go. That would be fun. I fuck yeah! I say I, I yeah. Of course. I mean, if he can get this this pay, offense and this <laughs> pay team, pay Bill to do Belichick two hundred million dollars. Cares? Oh, dude, why not? <laughs> Wouldn't that be all right? That's actually no, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. Bill Belichick's in New England. The team, it's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a full rebuild. Okay. Tom Brady goes and wins the Super Bowl this year. All of a sudden, you know what the talk is going to be? It was Brady, not Belichick. Hey, Bill, how do you want to win this argument forever? Oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, have the Lions win a Super Bowl. He wins the argument forever. Whoever wins the Lions a Super Bowl as the head coach will, like, instantly leapfrog their way. A normal head coach would instantly leapfrog their way into the top ten head coaches of all time. Bill Belichick would become the greatest coach in all sports in the history of the universe. Cool. Yes. I, I'm just saying. Money <laughs> Sorry, talks. I know I'm not. I know I'm not giving you much on that, but I don't want to. I don't want to dwell in fantasy coach land for too long. I really uh, like fantasy coach land. It, it's the only thing as a Lions <laughs> fan that makes me happy. Uh, uh, all right. So something that was fun today was the Broncos versus the Chargers. Yeah. Drew Locke, Drew Locke, who I got, I saw somebody call him the Tyler Hero of the NFL today. Because uh, of his sweet moves? Uh, yeah, sure. We're going to go with that. Um, wait, why? Wait, is it? Did he, buy a, did he buy a carton of Backwoods at a gas station? It's. I, I mean, I think I would call Baker Mayfield the Tyler Hero of the NFL, but it's just like... Oh, is that like the swaggy white guy award? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just like everybody's favorite white boy, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, uh, but Drew Locke wins as time expires, throw a touchdown with zero seconds on the clock. 26 of 41, 250 yards, three touchdowns. And everybody was kind of last week, everybody was like, I don't know, maybe the Drew Locke hype train was too far ahead of itself. But the guy was playing in a fucking blizzard. You get the guy in some yeah. normal weather, and he balls. He looked awesome again, just like he did last year in the second half of the season. Uh, it was young quarterback versus young quarterback. Justin Herbert, three more touchdowns, two picks, though. Uh, but, man, that dude can throw touchdowns. It's wild. Huh? That dude can just throw touchdowns. I think he's going to probably always throw a few picks. It yeah. Just, it just seems like he's best when he's just kind of uncorking it, you know? Did they replace Phillip Rivers with Phillip Rivers? That would be lucky for them, I would say, to replace Phillip Rivers with Phillip Rivers. I think I think Herbert is one religion, a hundred swears, and eight children ahead and behind of Phillip Rivers. 
They need Austin Eckler back, even though uh, Justin Jackson has been good. But this offense with Austin Eckler is different because those checkdowns are become big plays. They become the yeah. focal point of your offense almost, and it saves Herbert the need to kind of try to fit into tight windows and chuck it down the field. Um, but I'm buying in on this Broncos team. I think they could be really good for the rest of the year. They survived with yeah. horrible, horrible quarterbacks in there. Um, let me so just see real I quick. I mean, they're three and four, you know. They're a good team. Uh, they've got a few things figured out, I feel like. Uh, their skill position guys are solid. They're young. Uh, I like the Broncos to I, – I would say this. Uh, I like the Broncos to win 10 games next year. That's where I'm at with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. They Give me seven and, nine, seven and nine, eight and eight this year, and then you're in the playoffs next year. They are only a game and a half out of a playoff spot. But, uh, but to be fair, too, is going to be fun. That's, the, that's what everybody said about the Broncos for the last two years. Is that they're ah next year they're going to be ten six eleven five here it comes and it just hasn't really happened yet so something that they haven't had a quarterback yeah yeah that's true that's true that they've had to draft like five quarterbacks to get to a good one so I see a Minnesota Vikings run coming um, I feel the same Delvin Cook today four touchdowns two hundred and twenty six total yards they beat the Packers. And the only thing I can think about when I look at this game is, is Delvin Cook going to break the rushing record against us next week? I, to be fair, the rush defense has been a lot better in the last three weeks, and the Colts really struggled today. The thing the Colts excelled at was dumping the ball off to their running backs in the flats and then letting them run for 20 yards of field. But, uh, I think also, we, to be fair, you've had to cover uh, – uh, God damn it! Who's the guy today? Oh, uh, Jamal Wilkins, Benny Hill, they and uh, they Jerome Robinson. Like, Jamal Wilkins your... was surprisingly dangerous looking towards the end of the game today. I couldn't. I was watching that game and I could not figure out what Jamal Wilkins is like good at. He doesn't look fast. He doesn't look that strong. He's, he's like kind of big for a running back. I. I he's good like, at running it up the middle, and then the offensive line on the left side parts the Red Sea, and he's got seven yards right in front of him. Okay, That's... he like beat us. He beat like a lineman to the corner on a touchdown, and I, I don't know. I couldn't. But he didn't look like he was moving that fast. I don't know, man. That's maybe you're right. Maybe we maybe we are going to give up uh, another game like this. So Dalvin Cook had the second highest single fantasy score by a player of all time. Uh, who is the first? Clinton Portis. Oh, damn. I thought I was going to get you. I thought I was going to take you three tries to get that. 55.5, I think, points yeah, five in one TDs game. And, yeah, five TDs and like 180 all-purpose yards or something. So Nutty. Absolutely nutty. Uh, and for a while, it looked like he was going to break that. Like yeah. He had most of those points halfway through the third quarter. Shout out to Sam, who left him on the bench today. Intentionally? Yeah. Is he still going to beat you? Yeah. <laughs> wow! I got six guys out this week on buys and injuries. So yeah, well, crime and I, I picked and Henry Ruggs got a TD stolen from him. He got both feet down. Got both feet down. Yeah, I had the over in that game. So not that it would have mattered because the Lions. You want to talk some Tua Tagovailoa? Yeah. Uh, what did you see from Tua today? I didn't see much. I saw that his real first name is twenty-seven letters long. Yeah. It's the only name I've ever seen that it's I will like, not attempt to pronounce. Don't, don't, don't. You're not going to be able to do it. I'm going to try. 
the TikTok yeah, say to his full name challenge? I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can do it at uh, all. They had us. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Hi, say, hold on. Let me like, let me like try to get my brain to understand what all these letters are together. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. I'm not even going to fill. This is all I'm going to do to fill this dead air is just talk Come about on. how you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's four letters in here that I don't want to say even. As yeah, I know. And it sounds, and it, it okay. sounds the wrong way too. All right. Yeah. I'm bailing. I'm bailing. I'm out. Yeah. I'm not bail. Doing it. bail. Big bail. Um, because it sounds exactly as horrible as it looks like it's spelt. Uh, I learned Yikes. on they did a spelling bee with like a, this eleven year old kid on Fox today, and the dude heard it and he spelt the whole thing right first try. I, Didn't even ask country of origin. Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was like trying to like fish my way around it, and I couldn't do that either. Nope. It just is an impossible. Okay, so yeah, uh, I, I didn't see a, a whole ton of Atua, good or bad. They kind of won that game on defense and special teams. Tua only had like 130 yards. Uh, it looked like a lot of dump passed, offs. I don't even think he passed 100 yards. Um, they were being super, super cautious. They're really, they're really wearing kid gloves with Tua right now. 93 they're, yards through the air. No turnovers, threw a touchdown. Sure. The touchdown he threw was very nice. Had a couple nice throws on the run. Uh, but this was a game where they got the lead early because I think the Rams went fumble, interception, punt, interception, fumble on five yeah. drives. Um, and then they just said, look, we're not going to let this rookie quarterback go out there and turn the ball over and get him back in it. So they didn't, and it worked. It worked fantastic. It was a defense versus defense game. I think the Dolphins might be the first team to ever score 28 points without their quarterback getting to 100 yards. Yeah. Um, but even the Rams' defense was good. They just were screwed by Jared Goff today. Just absolutely screwed. Jared Goff down below the Jared Goff line now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two, two interceptions, 61 pass attempts today for Jared Goff. That's they have three running backs. I know they're all the same guy, but they've got three decent running backs in that back. Problem is they were down twenty eight to ten at halftime, so they were in comeback mode. Um, but man, I, I still liked what I saw from Tua. You said it right. They have they got some kid gloves or whatever, but it's the the arm strength is there. He got strip sacked by Aaron Donald on the first passing play of his career, and he came right back on the next drive and they scored a touchdown. So. The, there's no fear. The confidence is legit. I am, I, I'm as bought in before today, probably more than I was ever onto. I think the dude is going to be an absolute star. I did not see enough today from Tua to be in on him yet. Uh, as somebody who didn't watch him play a ton in college, I'm kind of viewing him only through the lens of watching him as an NFL player. And to me, there just wasn't, an, there just wasn't enough data for me on this. Uh, a lot that. of dump offs. A lot of the skill position players on offense for the Dolphins aren't great. They're, you know, it's, it's a lot of Mike Gesicki, uh, a lot of Devonte Parker who did break out for a touchdown today, but still, uh, to be continued on Tua. I want to see next week. It, that's Aaron Donald in your first game is tough, man. That's just tough. The four game. They have a four game stretch coming up here that I really think we're going to be able to have a great read on Tua by the end of, and that's Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals, all in a row. 
Uh, you got the Chargers and Bengals at home, Broncos, Jets on the road. But you're facing all young quarterbacks during that. Can you outperform them, I think, will be the question. And your defense should be good enough to hold up against these young quarterbacks. So dolphins Bengals is going to be, like, the highest stakes, lowest record game of the year. Well, I mean, shit, if he can beat – I mean, they got the Cardinals next week. Then you go into that four-game stretch. I'm not counting Miami out of the playoff race. You're, a, you're a game yeah. out. You're game out, and that's cupcakes after that. And then you got the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills down the season. So the end of the season is going to be tough. But you yeah. should have you should have at least four more wins on that schedule if you're the Dolphins. Yeah, five if you're lucky, right? In fact, five point dogs versus Arizona next week. I'm intrigued. Coming off a of bye, Arizona is though. So something to something to think about. I actually like Arizona probably for that game. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Joe Burrow, who was amazing today. He was incredible. That like nine yard scramble where he did like an Eli Manning type move and just kind of survived and survived and survived and got eight yards at the field. Not for like a first down or anything, but he shed like three linemen off of his back. The, the guy's just guy's just ice ice cold. It's crazy. Dude, so cool. I'm <laughs> like I don't know if this is gonna make any sense. But Joe Burrow is, like, the fully actualized version of the high school quarterback in the varsity jacket. Like, <laughs> like he is that in every movie. He's the guy from the movies. That's what he is. And he's living up to expectations. Every week I just watch him and I go, hmm, Peyton Manning. Cool. Yeah, no, Peyton Manning. The Bengals just got Peyton Manning. Like, that's fine. There's no, no big deal. They just got effing Peyton Manning, who's probably going to take care of the ball better throughout his career. Uh, did you ever watch Friday Night Lights? No. Well, yeah, yes, one, but I don't remember it. He's uh, he's if Jason Street had never never gotten that terrible spinal cord injury in the pilot. There is somebody out there out. who's like, whoa, but everybody else is like, <laughs> move on. So... Uh, all right, I got. I, you want to move on? I got it. There is the Chiefs. There is the Steelers. There's the Ravens. Yeah. And then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think the Chiefs or the Steelers, excuse me, are a win away from leapfrogging the Chiefs as the best team in the NFL. They're up there. They've been really, really good. Uh, they've just been good at everything. Everything. Great on defense. So they're so good at everything. Their receivers are unstoppable. Yeah. Mike Tomlin's kicking ass again. I think my I think Mike Tomlin's the most underrated coach in the NFL right now because I've said this before. He should be in that like almost Belichick level pantheon for what he's done. Yeah, I think the problem so pre Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, I think he was getting there. And then I think that all the locker room drama him hip-checking Jacoby Jones on the sideline a couple years ago oh, on a punt yeah. return. I think all of those things just kind of added up, and people were like, I don't know. Is it the Steelers or is it Mike Tomlin? And it's both. Like, it's both. It's the best, second-best franchise. No, it's the best franchise in football, um, followed closely by the Patriots. But I give more Belichick over Patriots than I do, like, Tomlin over Steelers. Uh, and they just get it done. Their drafts are great every year. I mean, just think about the last few years on defense. You get T.J. White, you get Devin Bush. No top five picks needed. Rarely a top ten pick needed. 
You just actually, I don't know the last time they had a top ten pick. Chase Claypool just, has been a future you, wide receiver one. You find Chase Claypool. You find Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, maybe not James find Connor? Juju Smith. They found James, James Connor. Connor. You, you lose your running back, who's like the best running back in football, and James Conner just appears for a year. He becomes one of the best running backs in football, and then after that, he's just good the whole he's time. Good. He's never, he's not really great anymore ever, but he's good the whole time. Gets the job done. And it's just a team that makes me sad as a Lions fan. I just watch it, and it's like, it's like I got my hand on the glass, and I'm just there, and I'm like, why can't that be us? Why, why? <laughs> <laughs> It just—it's raining outside. I'm just staring into the rain, thinking about if the Lions were like the Steelers. It's—it's it's no fun. But but all right, my biggest takeaway from this game has nothing to do with the Steelers at all. It has to do with the fact that J.K. Dobbins only has 25 carries on the season, yeah. and he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. And he had like 10 today. 15 for 113. 7.3 yards per carry. You, he's untackable. He, dude, he's, I, how many times do I have to tell everybody he's Emmett Smith? How many times do I have to do it? He, he's like, five, how tall is he? Like 5'6? Like, he, it's, defenders just like kind of like hit him and deflect like he was like a trampoline. They just kind of go the other way. He's, uh, he's really, he's fun to watch. I've compared a rookie to Peyton Manning and a rookie to Emmett Smith all within 10 minutes. Maybe I should have calmed down a little bit. <laughs> but I've been comparing him to Emmett Smith since, like, the pre-draft process. Um, but that dude needs what he got today, 15 carries a game every week. Yeah, and it's, they got a lot of mouths to feed and, and uh, with the Ravens. But I, I don't think it matters at this point. It's just obvious that he's so good. Uh, once again, like all the skill position players drafted in the early rounds of the NF of this NFL draft are all hitting. Jonathan Taylor is like a is like a top ten fantasy running back right now, and just looks just really solid. Giving the ball to today though. Yeah, yeah. I I just think he wasn't as effective as Hines and uh, what's his name who I just talked about. Uh, yeah, he wasn't as effective as Hines and Wilkins were today, especially like Wilkins. I think that Wilkins was getting the ball because he was hot. I just think that that's that, that was a coaching decision. Okay, I want to wrap up around the league, but I have one final question for you. I want your Super Bowl prediction? We are halfway through the season. Uh, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Seahawks, Chiefs. Who Seahawks, wins? Uh, if it's Seahawks, Chiefs, Chiefs. If there's the Chiefs will score the Seahawks the. Chiefs are going to score 50 points in the Seahawks. It's the season of Russ Wilson. MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl. He's 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 taking it all home this year. At the end of the year, everybody's going to go, fuck, that's a top 10 quarterback to ever play the game. Okay. Uh, two, if, two Super Bowls, an MVP, a decade of competing. Yeah. Passing, rushing, IQ, it's all there. They have, a, they have three Super Bowl appearances, right? Or is it four? Two. They lost to the Broncos. Didn't they lose to the Patriots? No, they beat the Broncos and they lost to the Patriots. That was a weird moment. Yeah. They okay. they beat the crap out of the Broncos. They beat them like 50 to 14. That I remember was exactly that being a really boring game. They beat the crap out of I turned it off in like the third quarter. 
I then... remember <laughs> I remember I was at a Super Bowl party for that game and we had to leave because some guy who was at it was a small party. Some guy at the party uh, had been sleeping with a friend of mine and his girlfriend was in the room and that was like kind of a I don't know, would you know anything about the, that kind of situation, Andrew? Mm. Mm, that's nope. weird. Uh, so let's let's uh, do. We, do you have anything else from around the NFL you want to talk about? Anything else you liked or didn't like? Uh, liked football, disliked Lions. Lions football. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Now let's go to maybe I don't know. Since every week I do this podcast, I have to be sad. Apparently, let's talk about <laughs> what you see behind us, and let's talk about fucking Michigan, Michigan State, which. Um, was as much of a lock this year as it has ever been. Yeah. Michigan opens as 26.5-point favorites. What does Jim Harbaugh do? Plays the same shit he's been doing since he got here. The offense has a 6'5", 220-pound quarterback who runs a 4'6'40", and they bring out an offense straight from the 1975 season. Like, Jim, you aren't the quarterback anymore. These guys can do more than you can do. You are now 1-5, 1-5 against Michigan State and Ohio State in the big house. I don't care if there's not 100,000 people screaming down. This Michigan State team sucks. They turned it over seven times against Rutgers last week. But you want to know what sucks worse than the Michigan State team? You do, Jim. You do. You can't recruit anymore because people know you're full of shit. You're a weirdo. You can't run an offense. And guess what? Your defensive coordinator isn't getting the job done anymore. You're like Rocky Lombardi tear you apart over the top. 17 completions, 323 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. This secondary looked like a high school team, like a straight high school team. They just grab and hold you on every single play, and it continuously got called, and they had no ability to make adjustments. You throw the ball 51 times with Joe Milton, the guy with the strongest arm in all of college football and possibly the world, 51 attempts and only goes for 300 yards. But maybe we can fix that. You get the ball back down 10 with five minutes left. What do you do? An 18-play drive. Not once do you go over the top. Not once do you go for the big play. You nickel and dime your way down the field until there's 55 seconds left on the clock. And then you use a timeout on the one-yard line. The only chance you had, you weren't recovering the onside kick. You use the timeout on the one-yard line after you can't just quarterback power it with LeBron freaking James behind center. And that way, when they recover the onside kick, you still have no chance to get the ball back. No chance for trouble with the snap. What it, it was, it was a joke. It was Jim Harbaugh's entire tenure summed up into one game. It's time for him to go. I've been saying it for two years, but I've been not feeling great about myself saying that. Now I know. Goodbye. Get me Luke Fickle. Get me somebody who doesn't want to run offense like it's 40 years in the past. And give me somebody who can recruit good players instead of doing the Patricia bullshit where he's recruiting for his scheme. I agree with all of that. 
Uh, I have very much tried not. I, it's tough for me to think of them bringing in a coach that isn't Jim Harbaugh and him being a better coach of a team. But it is time. It is now. This is not Brady Hoke. This is. It is time to go. It is time to pack up your salves and potions and move on to the next town, Jim Harbaugh, because we have figured it out. Everybody knows what this is. You're right. He's a big weirdo, and I think that that doesn't endear him to fans. It doesn't endear works him if you're winning. to the media. It works great if you're winning. You can be Dabo Sweeney if you're winning. If you're not, if you're Dabo Sweeney and you're losing, you're just another used car salesman who decided to coach football. And right now, Harbaugh is hedging closer and closer to used car salesman. And let's just we what year is this? Five, six? What year Five. are we even in? We're half yeah. a decade in. He's had time. He's got the guys. Joe Milton is great. I Joe Milton is really good. And we aren't doing any of the things that you need to do for Joe Milton to succeed. Uh, I think that this isn't the last that we've heard of Ricky Lake. That's for sure. I think that dude's going to be a real pain in the ass for Michigan for two more years to come. Ricky White. What did I say? Lake. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was an amazing performance by him. Almost 200 yards, the second most yards ever by a receiver on Michigan State against Michigan behind Plaxico fucking Burris, who went for 255 and I think 96 or 98. The friendly fire king um, himself. And I understand, <laughs> I understand that Joe Milton isn't the most accurate guy in the world. But you want to know what would help that? If for the last three years you could recruit a wide receiver, you could recruit a skilled position player. You want to know what Brady Hoke at least did? He got he got Jabril Peppers. He got Rashawn Gary. He got the guys. And that's what you need in college football. Every college football team is going to play hard and do their thing. You need the guys who are just so much fucking better than everybody else on the field that the other teams can't beat you. And Harbaugh just isn't getting those guys. His system isn't good enough. I don't. I don't even know if I trust him as an NFL coach anymore. And let me tell you, to He's go back have... into fantasy coach land, it would not surprise me if he was the Lions coach next year. That but, would really uh, suck. But I mean, I just don't understand how a guy can go flip a NFL franchise around in a year from three and thirteen to a winning team to go into a Super Bowl just like that, and not be able to coach in college. It's got to be different skill sets, I guess. I mean, you're dealing with more failure. You're dealing with students, not professionals. But like, it's this this thing about it is it's the offensive scheme. It's that it, that's a that you can change. You know, you can do more different things than what they're doing. It just he's hired a new offensive coordinator to change the scheme. He said it himself he was going to change the scheme. They've started recruiting a different style of guys, and it's only gotten worse. Gaddis was supposed to come in and play this mega ultra modern offense where they're running the ball, running the ball with the quarterback, chucking it downfield, and none of that is happening. None of it. Sometimes it's just time, man. Sometimes it's just time. It just isn't working out. And Harbaugh's had some small successes at Michigan. Michigan is, in my opinion, still in that second tier of collegiate teams. They haven't dropped into the third one yet, and that's not nothing, I guess. But it's just time to go out and find a find a new guy. It's just time. We're it's been five years. They haven't won. We're two years away from being Nebraska. I do not think that because, first of all, fuck Nebraska. But also, 
we need like a decade of being really bad to become Nebraska. Nebraska, Nebraska's been bad for a while, like bad, bad. We've been bad for thirteen years. I disagree that we've been bad. I think that we haven't been great. I think we've been good. We it's haven't almost, gone to the Big Ten championship game. Like, well, that's like a. That isn't because we haven't been the second best team in the Big Ten on certain years. But 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 that's what makes you Nebraska is we like you can be second all you want, all you want. But if you all we're doing now is living on our split national title in '97, and then the next best thing to happen since then is a loss to Ohio State in a one versus two game in 2006. It's it's. It's pointless. And now you're not getting recruits. You're not getting the top guys. That's a problem. You're That's not even in the running. Hope could do it. Rich Rod could do it. Harbaugh can't do it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this team. I they, inf- At least it's – I guess it's a little bit different than the Lions because with the Lions I get disappointed and hopeful and sad. And with Michigan I'm just like, what the fuck? It's How? It's like burnout. Like, yeah. It's the same shit, it, even more than the Lions over the last 10 years. It has been the same shit every year. At least with the Lions, every once in a while, we get a fucking touchdown with zero seconds on the clock and an awesome comeback victory. We with beat Michigan, the Yeah, with Michigan, you just watch it and you're like, I'm, I have no feelings. I'm dead inside it's, on this. this it's is... just some of that, I think, is expectations, uh, wherein – the expectations are that Michigan goes almost undefeated or undefeated. And the expectations with the Lions are, please don't make me have to refill my Zoloft prescription. And that, those are those are slightly different. But at the end of the day, like, every once in a while, the Lions surprise us and win. And when Michigan – there's no winning that surprises you with Michigan. There's no, like, good way to win. You either hit expectations or you fall superiorly below them. And some of that's honestly some of that is Jim Harbaugh's fault because he runs his fucking mouth all the time. You know how much better my life would be if I didn't like football or like sports right now. Yeah, but especially football. I'm okay with the Pistons sucking. Like that, I can watch the Pistons when they suck. And on top of that, I'm a LeBron James fan, so I've had 17 years of being able to watch a really cool player every night. I like the Tigers. They gave me a decade. I don't give a shit about the Red Wings. Hockey, yeah. Sorry, guys. You know how the show works. What's hockey? But with football, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. If okay. I'm being honest, with football, it just defeats me. It just every fall, I go through the exact same shit down to a T. The Lions. Lose, lose, lose. Win, win, win. Hey, maybe they're good. Lose, lose. Ah, they're not good. Whoops. Sorry, I'm a dumbass. Michigan. Hey, we have this new sweet quarterback. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, the quarterback whisperer. You know, the guy who made Andrew Luck the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Peyton Manning. Uh, uh, we we got this this new toy for Harbaugh to finally figure out. Wait a minute. They ran the they they ran the ball up the middle thirty times. Ah, shucks. It's just every year. That is the exact story. The exact story. Let's move into like our second bigger chunk of the show, which we're actually going to have to make pretty quick because we're, we're coming up on time. And I know – I just know how long you and I will talk about like fake trades in basketball. Yeah. Uh, it is officially basketball offseason. Uh, the basketball offseason is going to come hard and fast. 
Uh, it's gonna it's gonna one day be basketball off season. I think we're gonna see a bunch of trades. Nobody's been able to trade for eighteen months. Uh, there's a lot of rumors in the NBA right now involving draft picks. Uh, there's a lot of fluidity. I'm gonna say with what the cap situation might be, although it seems like less now. But this is we've kind of held off a couple of weeks because we wanted to take a look around the league, uh, maybe do some coach talk if we can fit it in here. But let's start here. Uh, the Pistons coming up into this offseason are going to have $80 million guaranteed in contracts. The cap is looking like it's going to be $109 million. They're going to artificially keep the cap high. I don't want to get into how they're going to do that. But uh, they have the seventh pick in the NBA draft. And it kind of feels like the world is their oyster right now. That they don't have anything crazy going forward right now, but that they've got some room to potentially set themselves up for a bright year, but not like a big winning year. So what do you think the what do you think the Pistons are gonna do? Not what do you want them to do, what do you think they're gonna do? Uh Man, it's tough because there's so many options. Uh, I think they're probably going to spend some money on some mid-level free agents, which is the wrong way to go about it. Uh, I don't know if they'll trade back into the lottery, which is something they should be trying to do. They should be on the phone with the Warriors every day trying to figure out how to get that number two pick with a deal involving Blake Griffin and Andrew Wiggins, and I'm not sure they're going to do that. Um, I have. I don't know if I've seen this front office in a situation like this enough where I can tell you what I think they're going to do. There are I can tell you what they should like do. This. Yeah, I can tell you what they should do. And what they should do is, like I said, you're on the phone with the Warriors every day trying to get the second pick without trading your pick. You, you might have to. If you do, you do. Okay, that's option one. Option two, Luke Kennard for the 10th pick. Boom, just like that. If you got to throw in a second or Bruce Brown even, I'm down. Who is, who is the 10th um, pick? You might be able to get Okoro. You might be able to get Okongwu. You, there's, there's names. Uh, you, nobody has any idea what this lottery is going to look like. I think every team has a very different big board. Um, or you could take 10 and 7 and move that for 2 or something along so that's those lines. Phoenix. Phoenix has the Oh, pick. I thought you meant what player. Yeah, no, Phoenix. you're good. I know. That's why. Yeah. Who Kennard uh, would fit very well in that offense. He'd be a great sixth person on that offense. So then what you should do after that is, hey, teams – who needs some cap space because there's only seven teams with cap space right now. The Hawks, Grizzlies, Knicks, Pistons, Hornets, Cavs, and Suns. So, hey, good team slash middling team who needs cap space. I see you have that really bad contract there, and you know what I'm in the market for? Bad contracts, but here's the kicker. I need a pick with that bad contract. Give me the 17th pick in this draft. Give me a next year's first-round pick. We can even make it lottery protected if you want, and I'll pay that contract next year and even maybe the year after because I'm that good of a guy. All of a sudden, you're stacking up assets. The war chest, as we love to call it in the NBA, is growing bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. You hopefully have Killian Hayes. Okay, maybe, just maybe, after the reports of the last few days where teams are not impressed with Melo, you have LaMelo Ball. Or you trade up for two and you get LaMelo Ball and then you get, like, Okongwu at seven. I mean, there is options all over the place if you do what a good franchise does, and that is just know you aren't there yet. Know you're not there. Know it's going to be a while before you there. you're there. So you try to get as many assets as you possibly can. Does Blake and seven for Wiggins and two get it done? It should, right? 
I mean, Blake doesn't have a ton of value with a ton of teams, but the, with the Warriors, he has value. I think that there's uh, there's some Blake market out there, man. Uh, you sent me a trade that I liked a lot with the Hawks, where the core of it was Blake and I forget what else for Dwayne Dedman and the tenth pick and a third piece. Do you remember what trade I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm trying to find exactly what it was. Um, it was like two centers, I thought. It was Blake and Luke Kennard. Yeah. For Detman, Capella, and the sixth pick. So the Hawks would have to go find a center, but whatever. You, they'll find a center. Well, they could take – I mean, they could take James Wiseman if they get lucky. Oh, no. No, we have their pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then you have the sixth, seventh pick. Then you trade Luke Kennard for 10. Then how you feeling? Then how you feeling? You have 6, 7, and 10. You're stacking assets. I know this might not be the perfect draft to do that in, but these trades don't happen in a strong draft. You aren't able to make these trades if it's a strong, yeah. deep draft. And on top of that, I don't know that this draft doesn't have good talent. Yeah. I just know that this draft doesn't have the best top, top-end talent. The guys going between 6 and 10 are as good as normally any draft going between 6 and 10. Um, uh, you and I think that Killian Hayes is going to be an all-star point guard at some point. I, we just, uh, I just think that there's so a lot well. of, there's like Denny, I heard somebody Abija. say, no, it's Avda, it's Avija. <laughs> Whatever, it's, it's Abija in my mind. Denny Avija, uh, has gotten some good reviews and some stuff and a lot of, there's a lot of like 18, 19, like kind of weird guys who had weird years, Wiseman and RJ Hampton and LaMelo is another one who was playing in Austria or where, Luxembourg, Australia. Which, Whatever the fuck. Uh, it's going to be – there's going to be some big misses and some big hits in this draft. And I actually think this draft's a little underrated even for top-end talent. I think that they're – like Anthony Edwards is, in my opinion, like a pretty locked-in day-one starter in the NBA. And it, I, I know that like the Timberwolves aren't – are kind of implying that they want to trade or that they don't want to take him. But I, I just think like Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo, and Cat is like a good core for a team. Does six and seven get you one? Um, maybe, maybe. So that's like that's like too many steps, though, dude. That's like that's like six moves on the chessboard. If, now that if, I don't think it's, it's good, gotta I'm be just one of those. It's, it's gotta be one of those off seasons if the Pistons want to be able to finally get out of mediocrity here in the next few years. It's got it's gotta be a light hashtag light years ahead off season. So this is what I think they're going to do. Uh. Fred Van Vliet has been linked with the Pistons a lot, quite a bit. And I think it makes sense. Dwayne Casey knows him. He's a good player. He's going to get a paycheck. If you can get Fred Van Vliet for four years, $72 million, that's what he's worth, man. And I think that that's a pretty good player. And then I think you, you take your seventh pick and you hope that you're going to get Killian Hayes or, or maybe you get LaMelo. So you're rolling out like kind of a young core uh, Van Vliet's 26. So if your goal is to be good in three or four years, Van Vliet can help you there. He's going to be good in two years. He's still going to be a good player. And if he's a good like fourth NBA player, third NBA player, $18 million a year, in my opinion, that's a pretty good deal. You want to know what team you would be if you were an NBA GM? Are you going to say the Sacramento Kings? No, I'm going to say the fucking Pistons. That's who you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, what does Fred Van Vliet do for this team? What does he, he do? It, it's, when you get Fred Van Vliet, you want to know what that means? Blake's staying. 
And you want to know what that means? You yeah. have the eight or the seven seed this year. And you want to mm-hmm. know what that means? You're in the exact same fucking spot you've been in since 2009. Well, this is what I think they're going to Go ahead. Be. Sign Charlie V. Sign Ben Gordon. Do it. Sign Josh Smith. Oh, we got the Twin Towers now. There aren't a lot of free agents available, and the Pistons have $30 million in cap room. If I'm reading all of the charts correctly, which I believe that I am because I've spent a lot of time trying to figure them out, uh, you have to spend 90% of the cap like per NBA by So you take bad contracts with picks attached. Why not take Fred VanVleet, who's going to be a good because player for four years? What is a $17 million – you don't tank when you do that. You, the take I, is gone. I think Fred Van Vliet and then dealing Blake Griffin is a take. But that's not how it works. That's not how they're going to play it. If they sign Fred Van Vliet, it's because they want to make the playoffs this year. I think if you sign Fred Van Vliet and you do the Golden State Warriors trade, which as far as I can tell also, we were the first people to suggest that trade. I know that other people have gotten to it now, but I, as, from my dates and my notes and scribblings, we were the first people to figure that trade out. Uh, that Then you're rolling out Van Vliet, Wiggins, Sekou, uh, Luke Kennard, five whoever your whoever your five is thon maker uh, i want killian see, on the floor day one that's what i want i don't know if i think he's going to be ready day one i think he's going to need a few months the way Seku why did. but what about his game Seku's game said that what about killian's game says that he's he a, might be the best passer in the draft it's probably mellow but it might be him a ton of 19 year olds are like, yes, I'm not I saying agree. the dude needs to be a star right away. I'm not saying he needs to be a star, but he needs to be playing 20 minutes a game right away. I, if you can. I think that we there's enough data on young point guards where we just know that they take a year or two. They just take a year. It's a different position. It's like playing quarterback. The, the, the game speed changes, and you need to be able to, like, internalize the variables or whatever. And I, I think that taking Killian Hayes is a tank move. It's a good tank move, but taking Killian Hayes is a move that says we're not competitive this year, which is why I hope we get him, by the way. I just – I if Killian Hayes is on the Seku route, then this is like the worst draft ever because he might be, be the most polished than, He might be the most polished player in the draft I besides that, for one large issue. But that's an issue that I think he'll have semi under control with one training camp in the NBA. I think that he that he'll be a, it'll be a different trajectory than Seku, who spent uh, half the year in the G League. But I'm saying I don't think he's a starting point guard day one. I think he's your ninth guy. I think he's, he's a starting point guard for the Detroit Pistons day one. If he's not starting over Brandon Knight day one, what's the point in taking? Like, well, that's different. Yeah, Brandon Knight sucks. Did you know we're paying him like eighteen million dollars this year or something? Yeah, that's what. That's how. That is how you rebuild, right there. Chef's kiss to that. I don't think it's quite <laughs> that much, but there's no. It can't be that much, right? Hold on, I have it pulled up right here. Oh no, no, I don't. Oh no, yeah, I do. Uh, we are gonna pay him fourteen million dollars. We're gonna pay Tony Snell twelve million when he opts in. Well, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh. Oh, Knight's a free agent, though. Plus, like, we're dealing D-Rose, right? So I, I think that there's, like, a D-Rose for Kuzma trade coming that's going to, I think, be a good trade for the Pistons. The Suns gave Brandon Knight five years. Of se- oh, he was good. He was he was stepping up until he tore his ACL, though. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that trade. I know a lot of Pistons fans don't want that trade, and I get that you guys love Derrick Rose. Yeah, he's great. Sure. But like, I love Derrick Rose. But stop it. Stop it. Stop making decisions because you like a guy. 
Stop that. Make decisions for what's best. What gets your team closer to a championship in the shortest amount of time possible? You want to know, does that young assets, not 32-year-old Derek Gross? Well, under it's that simple. logic, we should keep Luke Kennard. Why? So you can pay him $18 million next year? Right. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Well, he's got two years left on his contract. He's got, uh, yeah, 5.2 and then 7.2 qualifying offer. And then you're gonna um, whoever has him is going to have to overpay him. Yeah, probably. So I, I think – And I that qualifying I, offer is just a qualifying offer. So he'll be a restricted free agent and somebody will offer him 18 and you'll either have okay. to match or let him go for nothing. Yeah, I'd probably let him go on 18. But uh, that's because you're going to spend that money on Fred Van Vliet. I'm just telling you now. Like you the, the Knicks are going to overpay. Them. The Knicks are going to pay more than we are. I think the Knicks are going to overpay for Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul would retire. <laughs> like maybe. I know he said that about the Thunder, but like maybe, maybe. I I think that there's a pitch in New York right now where it's Leon Rose and World Wide West is his team, and James Dolan is stuck. They like they like disconnected his computer. It's just a screensaver, and he thinks he's doing stuff on it. Uh, but I, I, I think we're going to see, I think that this is going to be a weird off season. Uh, I mean, we know where CP3 wants to be, which is where Lakerland. They, there's It'd no be way. Very tough to make it. Ha- I mean, there's a it's way to make it possible. Not impossible. Danny Green's contract makes anything possible. Dude. Chris Paul's like thirty-two million a year or something. It's more than that. He's much more than that. There's but Danny Green's fifteen. No way. It's possible. It's but you just have to give up half your roster, which, by the way, I would. And then, so then you're looking at. So then, what you're hoping is that you can sign, like the following players to minimum contracts: Langston Galloway, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, okay, Shabazz Napier. LeBron loves Shabazz Napier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can't. I mean, it can't be much worse than uh, this year's Lakers bench. Oh, just kidding. I don't know, man. I there's yeah. It's, I it'd mean, be that's tough. I'm, I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm just saying that's where CP3 wants to be for sure. All oh, right, Otto, is Otto Porter a free agent right now? I would love to see Otto Porter on the Pistons team. I know that you hate that because he's 27, but if you can get him for 10 million, if you can get four years, 40 million for Otto Porter, I'd do it. I'd rather have, rather have that than Fred VanVleet. I I'm just saying. I think that every indication is the Pistons are going to sign Fred VanVleet. I love Fred VanVleet. No, you do I not. I love. Yes, I love Fred VanVleet. I'm a big fan of that Raptors team minus Kawhi. Big fan. Big big Raptors guy over here. There is no reason to sign him to $18 million a year contract to a rebuilding team. Because not only is that the ultimate basketball purgatory move, but now it's Fred Van Vliet has to create all his own offense. And you want to know what he can't do? Create all his own offense. Right. Yes. I think you combine him with LaMelo or something, and that's kind of interesting. Okay. um, I got names here of players who could be traded this offseason. And I want you to either just give me a team that you think would go for them or a deal. If you can give me a deal, that's great. But we'll see. You know, it's on the fly here. So, Bradley Beal. Stays where he's at. The Wizards want to keep him. Okay. I actually agree with that. Uh, Joel Embiid. Stays where he's at. I think that the Sixers yeah, are going to deal with Give me a – but if, if it was Joel Embiid. Uh, I still think that that trade is with Houston. 
I think that the Joel Embiid ends up in Houston. Uh, the other place I could see him ending up would be the Knicks, just because. What about Denver, or not Denver? What about Portland? I don't know if they have the assets to get it done. But it, yeah, they'd if have to they deal. Did. They'd have to deal CJ McCollum, which they aren't going to do because this would be officially the millionth fake trade involving CJ McCollum that hasn't happened. <laughs> Could you get up in Denver? Could you play Jokic and Embiid next to each other? Uh, I mean, so you I don't see why no, not. I, I don't know. That hurts my brain. Yeah, right. But that might be good. That what about hurts your Utah brain? in like a Rudy Gobert style deal? Like a, I don't like know what it does for either team. Well, I think it's really good for Utah. I don't think Embiid would want to play in Utah. Uh, and I don't. I don't I don't, I don't think see there are more that ones Rudy Gobert. I don't see the whole Embiid is like this big prima donna guy that I feel like a lot of people get that vibe. I don't think we've seen that from Embiid at all. Uh, when Embiid shows up into like to, to a camp in shape, like a preseason camp in shape, then we can move. But on that's not that the discussion. same thing as a guy being like, "I'm not playing in Utah." Period. Like, we've uh, never seen anything like that from Utah him. is notoriously a place that NBA players don't want to play. Well, I think I Look have an idea roster. why. All right, Ben yes. Simmons, Ben Simmons, Rockets, it's Harden. So it's Simmons and what for Harden? It's like Simmons and some throwaway contract. Who's the, who's the like, backup five? The core of, like, a more it's interesting deal is, yeah, is you find a way to put Al Horford in that deal. And you also give them somebody okay. else. It's the yeah, most untradeable contract in the league. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, Drew Holiday. If I'm the Pelicans, I want Drew Holiday to stay. And I think Stan will too. But this is this is the guy. Out of all the top guys who can get traded, I think this is the one where it makes the most sense to be able to get for the Lakers. So the one that's like being linked would be like a Drew Holiday in a piece for Victor Oladipo style trade. He goes to Indiana. I agree. For the Pacers. I mean, I love Drew Holiday, but... It seems like Oladipo wants to leave. So you're kind of forced into it. He's basically said it. Yeah. And again, Indiana, another place where NBA players notoriously do not want to play. Uh, Oladipo finding his way to the Rockets for something would be interesting. (laughs) James Harden. They have no assets. (laughs) That's why... Like, I love Maury on the Sixers. I love it. Yeah. But if you also look at this Rockets roster, like, I'm not sure we should be anointing this guy like the most genius GM ever. I mean, the way he helped change the way the game's played, sure. But as far as building a roster, there was years where Eric Gordon was the second best player on that team. I think that they took a shot and they went all in and they lost. And, and I don't think Westbrook was his idea, so I don't. Well, think we know almost for sure because everybody in the media seems to know, either through first or secondhand knowledge, that Daryl Morey did not want to do that Russell Westbrook trade, nor should he have. Give me a deal. For, give me a de- yeah. They might have won the title this year if they have CP3. Uh, give me a deal for the number one pick. The Celtics take their three picks and they package Gordon Hayward with it. Or two picks in Gordon Hayward. I'm going to say no to both of those. Give me a deal for the number two pick. Who has the number two pick? Sorry. The Warriors. Uh, I still, I think that the best trade for the number two pick is Blake and seven for Wiggins and two. I To me, there are no, there's no reason for anybody not to want to do that trade. 
It's the it's almost the perfect trade. And if there is nothing else of like real superstar value on the table, I really wonder if you could talk them into Blake for Wiggins and two. No seven. That what is that? What does that, that pick have of value for this Golden State team? It's not going to win you a title. Like, uh, I, I, yeah, I think Golden State's going to. Golden State has the opportunity to compete for a title this year, and if not, be like Vegas odds favorites. If you add Blake Griffin to that team, they're the number one team out the gate, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Hundred uh, percent. I don't know. Is there a way to get? Is there a way? So who else would want the number two pick? Then is the question. Uh, who would have stuff to deal? So the Nuggets, if they want to take like a hard left turn, which I don't think they do. So no. what about? Uh, no Boston. I mean, I don't know if there's a really competitive team because you gotta. That's the thing. The teams that are competitive, that are hoping to win or win now or close to now, I don't think are going to be willing to give up the assets for the number two pick in this draft. Maybe there, Philly. That would be interesting. So that would mean that they really want like. I don't even know what that would be without maybe like. the Pacers. Yeah, so Oladipo, Oladipo, and whatever holiday they have, I can't remember which holiday they have. Justin, or, I think. Like him and <laughs> yeah, honestly, Oladipo for two straight up. Uh, who says no to that? The salary cap, but Oladipo for Wiggins yeah, and two okay. straight up. I don't think anybody says no to. I think that if you're taking back Wiggins and you're Indiana, you probably want something else. By the way, I would love to have Wiggins here for the next couple of years in Detroit. Me too. I, like, I know he sucks, and I know he's lazy, and I know he travels the least amount of distance on the court of any <laughs> player in the league, which is, like, real. That's real. The least yeah, amount of distance problem. traveled in the league. Um, and I know his contract has, like, a few years left. But we, this dude averaged 24 points a game a couple of years ago. There's at least something still there. He might just be a Jeff Green, but he's a better Jeff Green. So... He's not the worst thing for a rebuild. Dwayne Casey, I mean, if you bring him over in a trade like that too, and I, I, I think that Dwayne Casey would have the authority to be like, okay, you're playing 15 minutes tonight. Get on the bench. Dwayne Casey would just slap him in the face. Yeah. Dwayne Casey would just repeatedly slap him in the face. Yeah. And not There's... to mention, he'd be the number one option on offense. If he <laughs> averages 24 points again, you might be able to get something of value next year. Maybe. Uh. I think that he fits the timeline too. He's only like twenty five or twenty six still. If yeah, that. he's still a young guy, he's still young. What if he gets ten percent better? Obviously, he's not living up to his contract. But if that dude gets ten percent better, that's like a really good player. Yeah. So I don't know about really good, but good. I don't know who I have to call or who I have to talk to, but to me, that trade's like kind of a no brainer. God, this talk got me really excited for the then NBA the, like, Then the Warriors can take Okonkwu, and he's like the perfect bench guy for them. Yeah, just get you – find whoever – no, take Okoro. Try to find oh, the next yeah. Andre Iguodala. Um, sure. Or if like Obi Topin falls or something. Yeah, you know, whoever. Oh goodness. Topin would be awesome on that What team. if they end up with seven and they still get LaMelo? Late years ahead. That would be – that would be uh, – the movie Draft Day, which I think this is the second straight week I've The most accurate movie. NFL movie ever yes, made. Yes, of course. Uh, he trades the three first-round picks for one from seven, so basically the same thing. <laughs> and then Bo – what's the fucking quarterback's name? Bo McBoface. Uh, he falls, and all of a sudden he's like, shit, I got to trade for six, otherwise the Seahawks are still going to get Bo McBoface at seven. Trades three second-round picks, and then gets his first-round picks back. And then he's anointed the savior of the world for treating, trading three second-round picks 
for a guy that he could have just waited and traded one second-round pick and one third-round pick for the 13th pick and got him anyways, but I digress. And then global warming stops, yeah. and then all... <laughs> all praise Kevin Costner. We just marched. Uh, statue, giant statues of Kevin. I'm I'm done with this. Okay. Do you have anything else on the NBA offseason? Uh, how do you feel about Stan Van Gundy as the coach of the Pelicans? I fucking love it. Interesting move. Yeah, he's not pre- coach GM, so I love it. Stan Van is the man. I don't care what anybody they, says. He's gonna get that team playing so hard. They're gonna be ridiculous on defense. They are gonna be. They're gonna be maybe the best defensive team in basketball next year. Uh, the Pelicans, I think, are going to have high expectations, and I think that they will meet them next year. Brandon Ingram's yep. going to be in like a real contract year because they're going to—he's a restricted free agent, so I'm sure that they'll match whatever because he's a max yeah. guy at this point, the way the NBA is. So he's going to be 25 million a year, easy. Yeah, easy. All right. You—you you looked like you were about to say something. You misread that. I misread it. I don't think so. I think you took it back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. NBA offseason is almost fully upon us. We'll be talking about it in the weeks to come. We are halfway through the NFL season, so don't worry. We got more of that. Uh, tune in Thursday for our NFL Bonus Picks podcast. Uh, we're still both doing all right, even though I'm having an iffy week this week. Parker's still absolutely yeah. on fire. I'm 2-1. and um, one. I got the Monday night game, and I'm pretty sure that that's going to hit. I think that's going to be... Yeah, so it's uh, oh shit. What's the score of the Eagles game? That was the other one. Nine seven. Well, that's not good. But uh, either way, I'll be I'll have at least two wins, which means I'll be at worst twelve five and one. So fuck, fuck. That's crazy. I won't be far behind you, which is also crazy. Two guys being this hot at the same time—it's pretty much impossible. Which is what all the women say when they watch this show. Okay, let's get out of here. We opened on me offering children candy, and we closed on you bragging about whatever that was with women. So I think that we're good. And uh, look at my hair. My hair is just oh great. Lord. Of course, I brag about it. All right, thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening. For me, your host Andrew Norris and Double P producer Parker. We will see you same time, same place next week. Probably sad again because of football, but we'll see. Maybe there will be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you again for listening, and peace. Shout out Jack and Dorado.